0: He's are It's your
1: shine. you born for such a, time such a time all excited Oh with the sun, he's dying he's on the cross we've done it, we've done it, we've done it and then uh oh, it's finished. Is that the the tomb opening up? Is that the the thick veil, the four inch thick veil in the temple? as tall as this to keep the the priest only once a year could go into the holies of holies? Is that is that is that? Velving torn all the way from the top to the bottom gaining access to and now the dead and christ are being risen from the grave they what 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 happened guys this is such a serious topic
0: thank you for joining us here at Westside christian fellowship located in leona valley california one hour north of los angeles Today on Regaining Lost Ground, we hear part one of this timely message from Pastor Shane titled, Brace for Impact, Are You Ready for War? Are you afraid or racked with anxiety? Are you playing games with God? Today, Pastor Shane preaches the hope found exclusively in Jesus Christ, encouraging all to repentance and to take the right step forward for this beginning new year. You can hear the whole message at Pastor Shane's YouTube and Rumble channels. Make sure to subscribe today. For more information, visit us online at WestsideChristianFellowship.org. We also encourage you to hear more truth from Pastor Shane with the Idleman Unplugged Weekly Podcast. And now from West Side Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California, here's Pastor Shane Eidelman.
1: Are you ready for war in 24? Yep, no, maybe so. I'm not talking about physical war. I'm talking about a spiritual war. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You're not gonna win this one with an AR-15 and 20 rounds. It is spiritual warfare, and Christians have to be very vigilant in the area of spiritual warfare. We are in interesting times, aren't we? In many ways, I truly believe we are experiencing some of the judgment of God without a shadow of a doubt. I don't know how you could argue otherwise. We're not in the blessings of God. Uh, we are, because in Romans 1, it says, God gave them over to a debased and corrupted mind. So a form of judgment is God giving mankind over to himself. And so we see all this perversion, all these false narratives, all these lies out there. However, at the same time, we are called to be the remnant church that intercedes on behalf of God's people and on behalf of a nation. And so it's interesting times. Yes, evil is rearing its ugly head, but we are able to fight against that through prayer and fasting and worship and and getting involved in certain areas and and making a difference and speaking the truth in love, getting these messages out there, of course, and getting your message out there, your testimony, even what you do on social media or the friends, the influence you have. Uh, It speaks volumes as to our spiritual character. And I believe in intercessory prayer. I believe that God can do whatever he wants, but often uses those who will intercede. How many times have we saw in the Bible where God said, if you would do this, I will do this. Uh, we think, Did you know Sodom and Gomorrah, according to the Bible, I could be wrong, could have been spared? Think about that. Sodom and Gomorrah could have been spared. God said, hey, if there's 50 righteous, I'll spare it. And I like Abram, Abraham. He negotiated God down, didn't he? How about uh, that's how I feel sometimes. Lord, God says if there's just five million in the United States, I'm like mm, mm, five million really following you, fully surrender. Can we get that down to maybe a million? Okay, for a million, you know. And He was negotiating, but ultimately there there wasn't very right, very many people, righteous people in there and in their own right interceding for the land. So God pulled them out and then brought judgment. He told Ezekiel, I sought for a man from among my people who would build a wall, not a physical wall, a spiritual wall, before me and the people that I might not judge the land. I sought for a man from among them who would build a wall, stand in the gap, and intercede. And I didn't find anyone. Is there anyone that intercedes? The prophets would cry out. And we find intercessory prayer in the New Testament. So to me, that's pretty encouraging because I'm like, oh, look what's happening. The devil's, you know, rearing his ugly head and evil's prevailing. I better just go, go run and put my head into the dirt, into the sand. Where are those birds that do that? Ostrich. Yeah. And, uh, but we're actually called to fight and in this battle, God's on our side. That's pretty encouraging. So there's not really a reason to be discouraged unless we focus on that and we stay there, right? If I scroll through the news, it's like oh, I don't know why. Just yesterday, I saw that portion of the airplane that came apart. I'm like, I'm never flying again. Can you believe sitting in that aisle? It's on this side, right? It's like nobody died. It's like, that's amazing. Just then you can see the nice sky and you're like, wow, the passengers are so calm, you know? And then, of course, you know, Russia and China, and you start to scroll through, and you see, uh, Epstein finally getting his little black book revealed, and what's in, in this, and, and, uh, January 6th, what, it's like, all this stuff is just coming out, and you can stay pretty negative if that's where you camp out. So I think it's good to know, kind of, what's going on, have a kind of idea, but get back into God's Word and be interceding on behalf. So I start to pray for these people now. I start to intercede for what's going on in our nation. And God blesses the prayers of intercessory people. That is clear in Scripture. How many times... I mean, I could... God, there's so many rabbit trails on this topic because Jesus would heal people not even with the person knowing they're being healed. They're just laying on a sickbed and they're healed. How did they get healed? The intercessor went to Jesus my daughter lies sick, just speak the word and she'll be healed. The man who couldn't get there on his own, so his friends brought him. House is packed, go up on the roof, lower him down. They interceded. That's a if you focus on that, that's a pretty powerful weapon of inter uh, the, the of intercessory prayer. A man by the name of, uh, of Hal Reese or Reese Howells, I always get him confused. I think it's Reese Howells. He was a powerful intercessor during World War I or two. You can read his book on that. And Gordon Cove, uh, A.W. Tozer, E.M. Bounds, a lot of people, uh, John, uh, David Brainerd, who came here with the Native American Indians and lived with them and brought revival to the area and how they interceded and saw amazing results. And so I think we have to be careful that fear doesn't push us back and get us disengaged when we should be engaged and hitting the the powers of darkness head on through prayer and worship and fasting. And that's one reason why we have 6 a.m. worship. So I know some of you have been comfortable in bed, but there is 6 a.m. worship if you ever want to come. We just put worship on. We go into prayer at 7.30, and that's how we fight our battles. It's important to to dig in deep. So Revelation 12, a couple weeks ago we talked about a dragon and a woman, and now we're going to follow up with that. Still the dragon, still the woman. Let's put this in perspective. The dragon, most would agree, is Satan. And then the woman, uh, because of what we talked about a couple weeks ago, it appears that it's it's Israel. When you talk to talk about how she's clothed and she's got the, the sun, I believe, at her, at her head and the, the stars at her feet or the moon at her feet. And in the Old Testament, that was a picture of Joseph's dream and of Israel. There's so many parallels. To really understand Revelation, you got to do a lot of cross-references with the Old Testament. I don't, I don't want to say the number because it's a, I don't want to mess it up, but Revelation references the Old Testament lots of times, like hundreds of times. And so we have to really look at Revelation through the framework of the Old Testament. And so the woman is Israel, the beast, I guess, what we would say, the dragon is Satan. So we're, we're going to catch up. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven now saying, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren. Satan has been accused who accuses us before God day and night. He has been cast down. And I went into this a couple weeks ago that I believe, and of course, a lot of other theologians, I'm not theologians, I'm just a simple country preacher, but I can do some reading too, you know. Uh, they say that um, G- Satan has access to heaven. And at this point, he no longer has access to heaven. And I had to think about that for a minute because we just think, well, no, he—that it's kind of separate. But God can summons Satan like he did in the book of Job. He was walking with the children of Israel, or not children of Israel, the children of God, the sons of God, and Satan was there with them, presenting his case against job, and we also see how is he accuser? He accuses us before God day and night, so obviously there there it was some access he's not in heaven, but God can summons him, and it appears, and also a lying spirit remember god god was was there talking to. Uh, the, the sons of God and a lying spirit said, let me go and deceive the prophet. So we see that Satan had access and it appears now that access has been denied. No more access. And so heaven is rejoicing over this. And then it goes on to say, and they overcame him who Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Folks, I'm going to give you something you need to know for the rest of your life. Here is the best way to overcome a demonic attack. Number one, are you a believer? Because the blood of Jesus Christ puts you on God's side. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So right there, you see, here's interesting. We, I already know I have victory. You have victory. God says we have victory, but I have to hold the line. That's the hard part. The devil wants me to do what? I'm out of here. Should I try? I'm out of here. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to tell people about God. I don't want to plan a church. I want to quit. I want to go just golf and live in Mammoth, win the lottery, right? Just get out of the game. I'm done. I'm out. But we already have victory, so I have to fight from a position of victory. I have to hold the ground. So do you. And that's how we, we prevail against satanic attacks, the blood of Jesus as a believer, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, not my righteousness, his righteousness. And then by the word of their testimony, I've I have I've come to find, and maybe many of you know this too, if something's not going out of me, as far as my testimony, doing things, I'll become stagnant. And that's what I, you know, I want to encourage some of you, don't just always sit on the pew. you got to put some feet to your faith. Get involved, serve. And just like I mentioned Mammoth, what, you know, beautiful streams of river, rivers from the high Sierras flow into something called Mono Lake. It's disgusting. I can drink out of Rush Creek. Ah, so good. You know, Phil? we go up there. And then you get to Mono Lake, it's dead. Like you're talking, what, 20 feet maybe? See, there's got to be, now there's other insult and things, but there's got to be an outflow. Outflow. It's very healthy when you take in to be, there's an outflow. So they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, reminding not only others, but themselves, Jesus, you have brought me through the gates of hell and I am here to stand before you. It is grace that's brought me here thus far and it'll be grace that takes me home. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And sometimes, you know, it's okay to remind yourself about what God did for you. Oh, if it wasn't for God who was on my side, don't get me started where would you be I wouldn't even be here I should be dead at 15 or 16 oh but for the grace of God and you remind yourself of the testimony the the trials he's brought you through how good he's been to you oh when the enemy wanted to take me out that car accident should have killed me that person should have took me out that disease that health issue oh but God was on my side You overcome Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. So sometimes it's okay to say, you know what, that's not true. That's not true. You are a liar and a deceiver. You resist the devil, he will flee. Well, you're not resisting him like this. Last time I checked, I didn't push against anything physically. But I sure push against it spiritually. How about you? And by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. The, the literal translation, I mean, of course it's literal, but there's, he's saying, and they did not love their lives enough that it would keep them from being a martyr. They did not love their lives enough. Like, oh no, I'm going to deny Jesus. I don't want to die. They did not love their lives all the way to the death. And this is an interesting topic because all of us will struggle in some form or another. And there's something called self-preservation, you know, that we want to preserve self, but the Bible tells us to die to self where we want to love self, love the world. And that's why Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. How, How can you serve this master, but still serve this master? You can't. So, I want to. Most of us, not when you're not believers, you want to not die to self because it's all about self, is it not? What's the most popular thing right now? Smile. Oh, I got Rush Creek right there on my screensaver. I just noticed that. That's kind of funny. Ironic, huh? So, I used to have a screensaver. It said, "Is it called screensaver on the computer?" Okay. Uh, God's sovereignty is my sanity. That's a good one too. Always remember that. So, anyway, we want to selfie. Self-esteem, self-promotion, all about self. You see athletes, movie stars, what I want to be. I want to make a million dollars. I want to I want to do all this and it's about everything is about me and my life and my wants and my desires. The Bible says, die to self and follow Christ. Now that's why many people don't want to do it. That sounds stupid, they say. People have told why that's the most, that's no fun. Well, I've never met anybody ever who's fully surrendered their life to God and who's regret their decision. Now, has it been easy? (laughs) No. They never get to their deathbed. I don't know what that God business was all about. I just wasted my whole life serving Him and following Him. Why? Because this one brings joy, unspeakable joy, unexplainable joy. Peace that surpasses all understanding. The God of the universe is controlling my destiny. I'm trusting in his sovereignty. Wow. Financially it's tough. Oh well, God's got it. I'm sick. Well, what's he gonna do? Take me home early? What you know, it's like life makes sense. And this person though is fighting against everything. Nothing goes why is half of Hollywood on medication? If not more? Why are athletes so miserable? Ask Michael Jordan how he feels now. Tiger Woods. Ask them. They're miserable. It's hard from going to be an idol and a god to millions can't can't give them that money. I mean, that money can't give them that 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 freedom, that satisfaction, that 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 peace. That's what's so alluring to, to so many people, isn't it? It's that I just want peace and joy. I just I just want that so bad, and they go to search for all the things that can never bring it. They have to find the one true and living God. That's why dying to self is so important. And also we can learn briefly... Uh, not learn briefly, learn from what we briefly just read, that salvation always brings spiritual strength. They overcame him. They actually overcame the enemy. So salvation brings spiritual strength. I love that part. You don't become weaker spiritually. You become stronger spiritually. Especially if you don't know Jesus, you can change that today. You can repent and you can believe And have the peace that surpasses all understanding and and the strength that will guide you. What often looks like defeat is actually victory. Always remember that in God's kingdom. What what looks like defeat is actually victory. These people were going to be killed. They were going to die. But it, it was actually victory because they overcame him by giving their lives. What about the martyrs? Oh, they're going to die. It's terrible. And now victory because they're in, they're in heaven. What about Jesus? Did you know that they thought they, thought they had victory? The demons. The Bible says actually if, if the devil knew what was coming through that victory, they would have never nailed him to the cross. So they thought all hell was excited. Can you imagine that party? They're all excited. Oh with the son, he's dying. He's on the cross, we've done it, we've done it, we've done it. And then uh oh, what, what, what does that mean it's finished? What's he, what's he talking about? Wait, wait a minute. is that the is that the ground shaking? Is that the the tomb opening up? Is that the the thick veil, the four inch thick veil in the temple, as tall as this to keep the the priest only once a year could go into the holies of holies? Is that is that is that veil being torn all the way from the top to the bottom, gaining access to? And now the dead and Christ are being risen from the grave. What 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 happened? What happened, guys? This is such a serious topic. I remember there was a book written when we first started the church that I I actually used in a sermon illustration. The title was, I hope they serve beer in hell. Well, they don't, and it's not a party. You won't be laughing and having fun with all your buddies. It's a place of torment and destruction where you're never going to be close to God again. We engage in spiritual warfare with our testimony and His blood. I'm going to talk about that when I continue in Revelation 12 in the, in the next couple weeks. The title will be as of now "Broken by God: The Shepherd of the Shattered." I'm going to talk about the, how important testimony is and give you some incredible testimonies. Well, I'll tell you a little bit right now. It's kind of I didn't tell you at the first service, but I was at a, a like at a book sale. It was like a dollar. And um, you remember, you know the pillow guy? What's his name? Mike Lindell. I'm like, oh my God! This is and, and like from crack at crack addict to CEO. I could not put that book down for like three days. Every night I'm just this, uh, the most amazing story. This guy's on crack all the time. He's up seven nights uh, in a row, fourteen nights sometimes. He's he's counting cards in Vegas. He's he's losing his marriage. He's losing. He's being threatened. He's it's like this is amazing story. And where the pillows came from, and and how God gave him this dream. And it's like unbelievable unbelievable so many testimonies many of you could give powerful testimonies and let me tell you if you're younger you don't need a powerful testimony a nice simple one is good too I gave my heart to Jesus at 12 and I've been walking with him ever since I don't know what divorce feels like I don't know what alcoholism feels like That's good. Oh, that's praise God. That's a testimony in and of itself. It's just as powerful, if not more so. So do not think you need to ruin your life to have some powerful testimony. (laughs) It's not a good idea. Here's a key to remember. When you pass through the waters, they shall not overflow you. When you pass through the waters, they shall not overflow you. And this week I read from a devotional, it's called Streams in the Desert. How many of you ever read that? It comes out every day. You can have it automatically sent to you in an email format. It was written at the same time as My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. Both, both written in the 1920s. I believe one in 1925, one in 1927. This one actually might have been uh, before My Utmost for His Highest. And these these writers went deep. Try to read these devotionals each day. They're very short. They wrote this, God does not open paths for us in advance of our coming. Darn it. He does not promise help before help is needed. He does not remove obstacles out of our way before we reach them. Hey, there's an obstacle. Get out of the way. Nope, it's usually right there, right in front of me. Yet, when we are on the edge of our need, God's hand is stretched out. Many people forget this and are forever worrying about the difficulties which they foresee in the future. They expect that God is going to take them away quickly before they even get there, miles and miles ahead. Whereas he has promised to do it only step by step as they may need.
0: Listening to Regaining Lost Ground with Pastor Shane Eidelman. You can find more information at Westside Christian Fellowship.org. That's Westside Christian and for all the latest on what God is doing with His ministry here, please be sure to follow us on most social media platforms. Westside Christian Fellowship is located 60 miles north of Los Angeles in Leona Valley, California. Thank you again for listening to today's message of Regaining Lost Ground, where we are reminded daily, times change, truth does not. I want to hear the Father when He calls. He's called.